When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Attention BetMGM customers. Have a friend who loves sports as much as you do? Here's a chance for both of you to earn a $50 bonus when they sign up through BetMGM's Refer a Friend program. Just sign into your BetMGM account and click on the Refer a Friend program to send your friend a message inviting them to register a new account in the same state you use BetMGM in. Once your friend signs up and makes a deposit, they'll receive a $50 bonus. And once your friend places a bet with their bonus and the wager is settled, you'll receive a $50 bonus as well. Share the excitement and get a $50 bonus every time you refer a friend to BetMGM. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Ohio only. New and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire in 30 days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Introducing the Lowe's List for Innovation. While our aisles are filled with innovative products, we've selected our favorites just for you. Like the exclusive Whirlpool washer with industry-first two-in-one removable agitator. We love this washer because you can customize any load. And with other smart features to streamline your laundry routine, this product is a must-have for families. Shop the full Lowe's list of top picks at Lowe's.com. Lowe's, home to any budget, home to any possibility. U.S. only. It's a film study experiment as we're going to try some live streaming as the uh, draft is going on in about 30 minutes. If you're listening to this on the podcast, you missed the, the video, but hopefully you're joining us live and we're going to kind of go through with how each pick, how trades, how decisions tonight affect the Ravens. So Ken McCusick, how are you doing? Life's good, Josh. How about you? And happy football new year to everybody out there and a sports Thanksgiving for us uh, getting through this desert of no sports with a little bit of an oasis here for the next three days. 
Yeah, it's really weird to be talking about sports stuff that is like matters and something that's actually going to happen tonight. Michael Crawford's joining us, uh, who everyone who listens to Film Study also knows Michael because he's a regular contributor. Michael, how you doing? Doing good, Josh. Doing good. Thank you both uh, for having me on for this. And uh, just echo what Ken said, that uh, really excited uh, to, to watch the draft tonight, see how it unfolds if you're a football fan. Uh, particularly a draft fan like I am. It's a, it's a long ride uh, to get here, but we're here. All right. So the draft's going to start in about 27 minutes. So now's the time we want you to uh, share this on social media, spread it around so other people can find this live. Get in your questions by commenting on any of the videos, whether you're watching it on filmstudybaltimore.com, on Facebook, on YouTube, on Twitch, wherever you're watching it, comment. And on Twitter, use the hashtag Film Study Mailbag, and that'll help us see your comments and questions as we go about it. Um, again, it's an experiment. So if there's technical issues, just message me and let me know that too, and I'll be on top of it as we go. We've got a long night ahead of us. Kemi Cusick, you ready to get started? Life's good, Josh. I absolutely am. So uh, uh, Michael can't thank you enough for joining us. This is just going to be a lot of fun. And I want to kind of set up what we're trying to do tonight, talk a little bit about our roles. And you and I, one of the one of the standard things is we can talk football for many hours consecutively uh, and we can t- make a lot of statements without almost taking a breath. Each of us. Would you agree? I agree. All right. So we're going to try and cut down each of our roles and give ourselves an individual role each. So Michael, think of him as Daniel Jeremiah, as Michael Mayock. He's going to be the guy that gives us the ins and outs of each player's college production, uh, project him as a pro, consider the impacts of that player in terms of competition with the Ravens, I think specifically will be an interesting thing to do as the night progresses and particularly in terms of some, maybe some divisional impacts. Yeah, that's a, that's a high bar for me, uh, DJ and and Mike Mayock, but, all right, Michael lost him for a second. I know Michael's having some problems with his internet connection. I'll tell you about my role a little bit. I'm going to provide a GM viewpoint. I'm going to value trades. I'm going to look at macro uh, uh, valuation trends league-wise. I'm going to examine the relative value of players as they're added to the Ravens scheme, where I think the Ravens are adding more value relative to the scheme they've already used. And we'll be watching, of course, for player availabilities as I moves on and considering the Ravens' draft capital and cap concerns. So uh, uh, both of those, and obviously the Ravens have significant cap concerns that interact with this draft in terms of needing probably to get a little bit cheaper on defense in preparation for some very expensive cornerstone contracts uh, for Humphrey, for Stanley, and for Lamar Jackson. And that's going to be an interesting conversation. Uh, You will certainly lead the way on that, and I will defer to you because you are much more in tune with the cap and all those ramifications. Uh, people who follow me on Twitter probably know I, I stay in the on-field plain lane, but uh, I have some thoughts on it. But, yeah, uh, that's going to be interesting stuff. All right. All right. Very cool. Uh, Josh will be here. He'll be manning the boards. So if you have questions, uh, first of all, pound sign. I'm sorry. Let's do this right. Hashtag Film Study Mailbag on Twitter. Great way to put them. Where else can they go to put their questions or their comments, Josh? Below any video. If you're watching on YouTube, if you're watching on Facebook – any of those comments, uh, they should be funneled right to us. I'm keeping an eye on all of them. I do know we have a little issue where the audio is slightly off the video, so I'm working on that one. We'll see if it gets it or not, but uh, we'll, we'll figure it out. It's going smooth, though. 
I, and I think, we lost, to be I think yeah. we lost Ken for a moment to, to quiet the dog up. So Ken's, yes. Ken's going to fix the dog technical issue. I'll work on any <laughs> yes. type of audio delay. But, uh, Should be good in the next minute or yeah. two. Yeah. Keep your questions, comments coming in. I'll be monitoring them the whole night. Okay. Now, Michael and I being a couple of older gentlemen, I hope I, I, I probably true. shouldn't tag you in the same it's way. No, no, it's we'll, true. Need a, we'll need a bio break in the middle of this, and we don't have a second set to go to while the four scatter to the bathroom and whatnot. So we'll just have a commercial uh, somewhere in the middle for about two minutes. And let you us mean you're not going to take the camera with you? <laughs> yeah, a few too many people have been doing that on Zoom lately. <laughs> hey, I was reading up on Scott Hansen on Red Zone, how he how he goes, you know, the whole Red Zone without a break, <laughs> seeing if I could get any pointers. Impressive. Impressive. Uh, well, let's talk a little bit about the Ravens' needs entering this draft because it's something we want to spend time on now. We won't necessarily have as much time to do it during the, during the actual draft, although I'm certain it'll come up from time to time. I'd like to hear your needs – in order by position group. And I know you're interested in players and, you know, it's, I think the Ravens do do a lot scheme wise to switch the role of players um, by down and by distance, but they, they still are really using basic positional groups. They're just moving people, having different numbers of those positional groups on the field, which is to say that schematically they really change the pass rush more than anything in the past defense, more than anything to have different players in different positions. Yeah, and that, that's why, you know, like an actual order is always tough for me because I kind of just lump it all together in a big pot. And then I do separate it, but not by order, but by role more so than uh, position designation. So for me, I think about things like uh, on defense, let's just start on one side of the ball. Uh, obviously, you want guys who can rush the passer when one-on-one pass rush situations, uh, I think is something that, uh, is a need that I see from time to time. Obviously, Wink loves to bring pressure, loves to blitz. Uh, but if you can maybe scale that back, dial that back situationally, uh, where you're only bringing four, you certainly want guys who can win those one-on-one matchups. Um, also on defense, uh, sort of moving to coverage now, I think you want guys who can cover in the middle of the field, kind of that intermediate middle of the field area, uh, area not so much. We lost okay. Michael again for a moment. That's okay. He'll he'll be back. There's a there's a problem with his internet connection. We'll we'll work through this. I'm I'm gonna go ahead and give my list of the top six needs I think the Ravens have in order. And we're gonna start with edge rusher, which I think most people pass coverages in general, because you know that's where your linebackers typically are, and they're not uh, the best coverage guys in general. So you know some 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 players who can who can you know help you out there. Uh, just quickly on offense, obviously they want to continue to be effective running the ball. You can unpack that in a lot of different ways. Uh, that can mean offensive line. Obviously, we know Marshall Yonder retired, so you're looking at the interior of the offensive line. Uh, that can move tight end. Yeah, I mean, it can mean tight end, you know, a tight end who has some ability to block uh, in addition to, to, to just catching the ball. Uh, it can mean running back, um, you know, prob- probably not, but it could. Um, again, I'm just thinking about roles. And then on offense, you know, every year, Ravens fans, we love to talk wide receiver. Uh, so you're looking at pass catchers. And for me, it's all about how many different ways can you stress a defense, right? Can you take, say, the safeties in a defense? Let's say you're getting a lot of eight-man fronts, which the Ravens do uh, because they run the ball so well. Well, I want to get that other safety out of the box. I want to get him away from the line of scrimmage. How can I get a defense into a two-deep safety look? 
Well, there has to be something that threatens them in that way, right? Where they feel like they need two guys back deep. So it's not just Hollywood Brown. I need somebody else opposite Hollywood Brown who can threaten and get that other safety out of the box. Um, or if it's sort of at the underneath level, intermediate level, I'm going to be matched up with linebackers and maybe uh, uh, a more. All right, we lost Michael again yeah. for, for a second here. Going to just comment on something Michael is saying here. The the uh, part of that is on the Ravens, the eight man box, because they run a lot of twelve and twenty one personnel, and of course that gives the opponent the opportunity to play single high safety, one cornerback on each of two receivers, and the Ravens consciously make that decision that they'd rather have the seventh blocker and the heavier box to face than do what most of the rest of the NFL does, which is run out of 11 personnel against a six man box and, you know, try to try to spread that field and try and do more to get wide additional wide receivers that force that second safety and additional corner on the field. Yeah, they, uh, they did. I mean, if you just measure it statistically, is the best job of anybody running the ball last year. And particularly when that extra safety was down in the box, they always, in terms of their play design within the run game, they always had somebody designated to block the. All right. We are constantly losing. Uh, Michael, we have to Michael. try and improve that. Connection. Yeah, we'll have to see. Hey, uh, Hey, Michael, if you can hear us. Type, type guy. Um, um, are we okay? All right. Uh, no, let's see if you can. Let's uh, take a quick break and try to reconnect your audio. Let's have you uh, close out and and come back in to our okay. – A uh, different spot in the house would probably be great. Right. I understand the big inconvenience. Yeah, you're going you're right. to get some other – you're going to get some other guests if I move around to too Under, many. I understand. <laughs> Um, well, let me try. Let's, let's reconnect you real quick, and let's see if that helps. And uh, yeah, while Michael's that. working on his, I'm going to go ahead and go through my my yep. positions in order or positional groups in order. I think the Ravens really need to address the edge. Sam linebacker in particular, both Bowser, who's very underappreciated in this town, and uh, Judon are Sam linebackers who help drive the pressure that they got in 2019 by allowing multiple more people to rush the passer, whether that's either safety, the slot corner, whatever it might be, inside linebackers, because they can drop the cover and both do so very effectively. Anyway, Sam linebacker, Zach Bourne is the obvious one from this class and would be one of the higher higher ones that the, that the Ravens might take at number 28. Defensive line, I think, is a huge need for the Ravens. They're very old at the position. There are four guys um, there are 30, 30, 31, and 34. When I talk about Wolf, Ellis, Williams, and Campbell. The team needs to get younger. They have only eight snaps returning. Those are Daylon Mack from a player in 2019. So uh, that's not going to work. They're going to need to get younger. And I would say since all of those players are only signed through 2021, they're really probably going to need to spend three quality picks, one to three, let's say, one to four at the lowest, on the defensive line in these next two drafts. So that's something we'll, we'll – uh, We'll want to see and make sure that they do. The interior offensive line continues to be a question. Uh, the Ravens, I think, will need to draft a guard. There's a lot of value in the second round and in the third round and in the fourth round for guards that could really make sense for the Ravens. They got some earth movers. You got some good length guys. Uh, you got some professional centers, which I'm not as high on. We'll go through that a little bit, but an interior offensive lineman definitely in the cards. 
Michael mentioned a wide receiver. There'll be wide receivers drafted tonight. I would expect um, the Ravens might draft one in round one, probably about a 30 to 40% chance to end up with a wide receiver there. Um, Denzel Mims is the guy I like as a blocker. There's other bigger guys like T. Higgins of Clemson who might have the frame to assist in the pass blocking game. I mentioned K.J. Hamler. Um, not my guy because he's a smaller guy. I don't think it makes sense to have him and Brown on the field at the same time. So uh, that's where I stand anyway on the, on the wide receiver. Safety, we mentioned a back-end ball hawk, really something the Ravens need to get back to. They've been uh, out uh, in that spot for a while now, and, and Thomas, honestly, is not does not have the speed to be the back-end ball hawk that Ed Reed was or that Thomas himself was early in his career, and that's why uh, – Martindale used it as a blitzer much more this last year. The Ravens need to get somebody who plays the back end exceptionally well. A couple guys I really love in the first round, uh, Xavier McKinney of Alabama and Grant Delpit of LSU uh, would be would be fantastic there. Inside linebacker, definitely a need. I just don't want to pay a premium price for a first-round guy. So I know, Michael, we're going to talk about this at some point about uh, is it really worthwhile? Is it really um, – worth the premium price you pay to get a three down inside linebacker in the first round when your alternative is platooning at that position as effectively as the Ravens had the last two seasons. So uh, that's certainly a question. Josh, do we need to do something technically here? No, no, we're all good. We are running. Uh, You want to get, I've got some questions. Actually, I've got a few questions coming in. If you want to take some questions before the draft starts. Sure. Let's, let's do that. All right. Let's start out with, uh, I've been sending a couple of them to you in the chat that you can pull up as well. But first one up is Josh Hunter, who was wondering, do you guys have any pound-the-table guys who you love the fit for? Yeah, I, I, my four in order in the first round, if they're available 28, are Kinlaw, McKinney, Delpit, and Epinesa. Uh, and those are guys that, you know, Kinlaw they'd have to trade up for. I think we'd agree on that, Michael. But the others, is possibility they might be there at 28. Yeah, I'm with you on Ken Law. Totally agree with you on that. Um, and that that would most likely require a move up. Uh, I'll throw in Ruiz. He's the Ruiz from Michigan, a uh, guy who I really like. Um, I, this is this is a bit of a hedge for me because I'm still not 100% sure. So I'm, I'm cheating a little bit here where I say Epinesa and Yatir Gross Matos, sort of, sort of like a hyphen in between those two names. I like both guys for different reasons. Um, but But those are guys that I like. All right. Um, Michael, what about, let's see, do you have any interest in Gabe Jackson? Because according to Dan Reeves, who sent in the question, he says that he hears he might be available. I would have a lot of interest in Gabe Jackson. Uh, For those who maybe aren't familiar with the name Gabe Jackson, uh, the guard uh, for the soon-to-be L.A. Raiders, um, uh, Las Vegas, excuse me, Las Vegas. I'm really sure my uh, soon to be Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, very good guard, still very good guard in the league. He's 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 a vet. He's been around for for a number of years now, but very very good guard. So yeah, if, if uh, there'd be a possibility to add him to the team, of course it all you know comes down to terms and compensation. But just the player, yeah, I'd, I'd right. definitely be very interested in that. All right, okay. he'll be 29 years old when this season starts, but certainly he's been a very uh, effective pass blocker. Uh, PFF does not grade him very highly against the run over the last few years. So an interesting kind of a combination. But, you know, one of the things about the interior offensive line, we all want a guy who's good with double teams. Okay. And a guy who can take the back end, a guy who can also climb to level two and be an earth mover. Uh, anything you can do to get 
one def- defensive lineman off his pins with two guys initially and then get a climber to level two. Good thing. But I think the Ravens are also going to need to have one guy in the middle with the lateral mobility and the recognition skills to really pick up blitzes as well. Uh, you know, Jackson can make a lot out of opportunities to move around out of the pocket on scrambles, but I think he also needs at least one good pass blocker in the middle of that line. All right. Uh, Insane over on YouTube is watching, and he's wondering, uh, I guess the question that everyone who's going to be up late tonight is wondering is, how possible is it, do you think, that the Ravens want to trade back? I'd, I'd say it's always a possibility, and I think since the sweet spot in this draft I really see is between 35 and 60, I think if the Ravens were to trade back at equivalent J.J. value, I wouldn't have a problem at all and then trade out of the first round. Now, if they if, if they don't have uh, a player with a, a commiserate uh, grade, uh, you know, on their board there at 28, and, you know, they have a, an interested partner, that wants to move back. Yeah, I, I, I definitely think that's something they want to do. All right. How do you guys think we've, as you're setting up this draft, we haven't really talked about the fact that uh, it, it's an experiment for the entire NFL, that every team is is sitting on a, on a camera just like we are tonight. How much do you think that's going to affect uh, trades specifically? I don't really have a sense of that, Michael. I got to tell you, I don't know how they're connected and whatnot. I mean, it seemed like what um, Eric DaCosta was talking about was fairly low tech in terms of having phones and a couple phones available and whatnot. It didn't really sound like much, but there probably ought to be some linked chatting or other things that would allow them to, to get to each other quickly saying, hey, I need a phone call right away. Can you know, you up to trading 28 kind of thing. Uh, but but I. They shouldn't be in worse shape, but who knows? They might be. Yeah, that's the piece of it for me. Um, You know, if you're talking about phones and obviously when they're all there in their war room at the facility, there's multiple phones. And so, you know, you've got people in their room making calls, receiving calls. I don't think that that part of it changes. I think what changes is you're all together Okay, we're losing Michael's connection again. Can you hear me now? Uh, yes. I, we can hear you now again. I wonder if there's any way to improve that connection a little more. So uh, I, I can't go anywhere else, unfortunately. All right. <laughs> this is where I'm, I'm stuck at. All right, well, uh, we did miss the part of what you think this does affect. Oh, uh, I guess I was just saying sort of that, that dialogue that – people have in the room, in the war room, when, you know, you do get a call about a trade and guys are kind of kicking that around the table. Hey, what do you think? What about this? What about that? Um, That can obviously probably happen with Zoom or with some other platform like we're using, but I just don't know the, that dynamic changes when you're not right there in the room to have that really instantaneous uh, sort of conversation. Do we need to address the inside linebacker elephant in the room before we go here? I've talked about it just a little bit in terms of paying a premium value. How do you view that from a team perspective, Michael? Well, <laughs> we talked, I've started to laugh because we've talked about this a little bit. And here, here's where I struggle. Let me just lay it out this way. Here's where I struggle. So I understand the value, right? Obviously, I watch the games just like you watch the games. You chart, I chart. So we see, you know, the platoon that they've used the last couple of years at inside linebacker, how much more they've used a dime linebackers, typically a safety type body, as opposed to a traditional inside linebacker. 
the cap ramifications of taking an inside linebacker, what that position is now in terms of value in the NFL versus what it was four or five years ago. I understand all of that. My struggle is, and I'm just using these guys as, as examples. Let's say I'm there at 28. Let's say I have a first round grade on Kenneth Murray, a first round grade on Patrick Queen. Um, it's the on-field grade. It's the medical grade. It's the in-the-classroom, personality, off-field care, all that stuff, right? High-level, first-round grades. Everything about my evaluation tells me you take that play. But these other things are telling me maybe this isn't the right place to do it. So that's the part where I struggle. Do I, do I discount all of that work that has gone into building that evaluation profile that tells me, yes, this is the player you want at this spot because it's in the first round? But every all these other factors are telling me, well, maybe not. So that that's where I really struggle with that that dichotomy. And we we won't force that on anybody. Obviously, uh, you know, I, I have a a different view of it in terms of that grade. If it's a first round grade, actually, if they really think he's the 28th best player in the draft, and they're not inherently adding a premium for the fact that he's an inside linebacker who can be on the field for three downs and can run the defense and all those other things. If they're not giving him those, the credits for those additional things, I don't really have a problem with the Ravens taking either Murray or queen at that point. If they say, well, we'd really like him around 35 or 40, but we want him more because he's an inside linebacker and those are hard to get, or we want him more because inside linebacker is our weakness I, I disagree because I think they've, they've been so effectively able to address that weakness with platooning. And I go further and say, once when a player like that gets injured, and Mosley and Lewis have both been injured at times in their career, of course, and it was a nightmare for the Ravens when that happened. You know, they, they, you can't replace them. When you have a three-man platoon and one of them gets hurt, it's relatively easy to replace. I go further. It is cheap as hell to have a three-man platoon, even a rookie first round pick will probably make more than three guys that you can, you can platoon in there, or it, at least it's not consequentially different from a first round uh, uh, cap perspective. And then of course you have the draft capital perspective that, Hey, I could use this in so many other ways to address other team needs. Why am I not doing that? So if, if I'm Eric DeCosta, I have to say, where the hell can I economize on this team? I got a great set of players. I got more franchise players than I can pay. Where can I economize? Where can I get value? And I'd look at what Wink did last year and I'd say, I'm very excited on trying to do that at Inside Linebacker. Yeah, I mean, those are all very valid and, and strong, more than valid, strong, strong points. And um, I can't really, you know, disagree with any of them. Um, I just, again, I, I just come back to the grade and you, and you, you know, you agree. You said, hey, if, if that's what the grade is and it's totally based on, the evaluation and you're not giving him any kind of bump for, you know, these other, you know, things that he can do, then you're okay with it. And, and for me, um, I always try to think about as good as their defense was, right, statistically and even just, you know, visually when you watch them mm -hmm. on the field, they're things that we aren't privy to, right, in terms of when the coaches grade the defensive performance and say, mm -hmm. hey, these are things that as good as you guys perform – We'd like to see improvement in this. We'd like to see improvement in that. Hey, we, we busted this coverage. Hey, we busted that assignment. We're not privy to that. So how much of that was happening at maybe that position? And I know I'm singling out a position to help make my case. I get that. Uh, <laughs> but how much of that may have been happening at that particular role that we don't know about uh, is another thing that I think about. Again, you can't just make things up out of out of thin air, which is, I guess, sort of what I'm doing. But it's at least a question that I ask, like, 
yeah, it was good statistically and visually, but was it? did they think it was as good as we thought it was? And do they think it could be improved with that well, player? I think we, we've got to trust our instincts to a certain degree too, Michael, and not sell ourselves short on this. We have two pieces of information. We have our own eyes to tell us how well those guys played in that situation. And the coaches are going to be better at that. But we also have another thing. We know exactly how the coaches lined up those players on a snap-by-snap basis. I have that information. And it's part of what I'm using to tell myself that, hey, they're comfortable with platooning. They're, they obviously were. They wouldn't have done it the way they did. You know, they basically flushed the toilet on the three inside linebackers they had at the end of week four. Owasso, who, who had played very limited way the re- remainder of the season. Kenny Young, who ended up being traded but was basically benched immediately and, and bored. And they said, we need new guys. And they went out and they got Bynes and Fort and they plugged them in and they made the whole damn thing work with dime and quarter coverages. So whether or not I think I'm qualified to judge exactly how well Bynes played snap by snap this last year, I'm certainly qualified to look at how do the coaches think he did by the way in which they aligned that defense for the remainder of the season. Absolutely. But then to me, that begs the question, at least about those first three guys, did they flush those three guys because they weren't good enough at that position? They yes. didn't have a guy who was good enough at that position to have on the field. And when you have to flush those guys because you make that admission that they're not good enough to do it right now, what's available, you're probably not going to find a whole lot better at that point in the season either. So to me, I always think about this kind of going back to C.J. Mosley's time here and, and kind of comparing it. Is it a chicken or an egg kind of thing? Did C.J. play 95% plus of the snaps his career because he was that good? Or they didn't want to play the dime or they hadn't thought about this platooning, you know, situation back then. Or did they move into the platooning situation because they didn't have a C.J. Mosley type play? I don't know. I'm not leaning one way or the other. The the, the platooning started at weak side linebacker in 18. So it wasn't Mosley's position. But Mosley was on the field the whole time because he had the green dot. So you don't really have an option if your inside linebacker is your green dot guy. So I don't that's one thing I don't like. I I want it to be the strong safety if possible who has the green dot because on most teams, he's on the field for every play anyway. The inside linebacker, that Mike linebacker, you have real difference of opinion on whether or not you want that guy on the field on passing downs. And there's very few of the inside linebackers around the lead who are truly a better pass defense option than your third best safety. I agree with that. <laughs> I, won't, I, can't, I won't argue with that at all. All right. Uh, uh, Garnett's jumping in here with Jacob Phillips. Can he be that guy? Yeah, I like him. Uh, LSU guy played next to Patrick McQueen, definitely a better run defender than a pass defender. He's a name that early in this process I was touting as one of the lower round guys. I like Jordan Brooks also probably would come earlier. Uh, um, Malik Harrison of Ohio State uh, is another guy. If they, if they didn't have to go into the second round to get him, I'd probably like him in the third. Uh, you know, a handful of players there that I think could represent real value and and provide the run defense Ravens need. Who are your guys uh, that you like at inside linebacker, Mike? I think you hit on a lot of the guys that I like. Uh, if Garnett jumped in with that question, I can't believe he didn't ask about Willie Gay Jr. That is a yeah. total shock <laughs> that, that, that that didn't happen. So uh, I'll throw that in there on Garnett's behalf. Uh, Logan Wilson out of Wyoming, another guy uh, that I like in the inside linebacker position. And then, you know, if you're talking about later on throughout the draft, uh, Justin Starnot, I may be mispronouncing his name. He's an inside linebacker at Wake Forest. Uh, Another guy that I like, if you're talking about, you know, trying to address that later in the draft. 
Um, he's another guy that I like there. So I, I, I think you, you had a lot of the same names that I like. All right. I'm a big Malik Harrison fan too. I'm glad you mentioned his name. I like yeah, he's, he brings you a little bit in pass coverage. So, you know, he'd, he'd be another guy who probably is going to be slightly overvalued by the rest of the league, I would think. Uh, we're getting pretty close here to the first pick, I would think. Uh, we do not have it yet. We're kind of watching on TV as we go. One thing we're not yeah. going to do tonight is provide spoilers. So we're going to provide it at the same time frame you see in TV, even if we hear from somebody's tweet who's got four minutes in advance at some point that they know about some draft pick that's happening. That often happens when the draft picks start to get stacked up, which doesn't happen as often as the first round as it happens in later rounds. So uh, anyway, we've got that to, uh, to look forward to. Ken, what's your normal setup for when you're watching the draft? Are you a Twitter guy? Do you follow uh, NFL Network and ESPN? How are you, how are you monitoring the draft? Right. Well, we, we have a, a TV room downstairs, which we use for, for watching regular season football where we can watch seven games at once. But we, we just watch uh, a couple of things. Usually, usually it's an Oriole game because it's on you know a draft uh, day in April. We won't have that. And then we have ESPN and NFL Network on separately to watch the, the, the draft itself. And Maureen is a little upset because, you know, she and I spend this entire time together uh, just lounging around and watching the draft as we go. And I'll tweet on uh uh, on my laptop as well. How about you, Michael? How do you typically watch the draft? Pretty similar to what you just described. Uh, pretty much just have the draft on TV. Uh, I probably lean towards NFL Network because I'm a Jeremiah guy. Um, and, you know, we'll have my phone or laptop nearby and kind of just being active on Twitter. And usually, um, you know, a bottle of Maker's Mark, uh, as always, is also <laughs> somewhere nearby. That's <laughs> so pretty much how I do it. All right. Pretty close. Right, Josh, is, is this the first <laughs> full first round you'll have watched ever? Um, probably from start to finish. Okay. And I mean, I've got so many. I've got. I'll send you guys a picture later of my monitor. I had to move out of my closet so that I could hook up a bigger screen in order to keep all of this video going and mm-hmm. everything. So, uh, so yeah, I'm watching the whole thing, but we'll see how carefully I can pay attention to that and you guys and the comments coming in. So. Normally, I just follow on Twitter, and then I'll tune in when it gets close to the Ravens' picks. That's my normal way. Okay. So you're a bigger fan of the baseball draft? I, I, excuse my ignorance. Is the baseball draft televised? <laughs> the, the baseball <laughs> draft? No, the baseball draft is nothing like the NFL draft. It's, okay. It is televised on MLB, it but it's a really small-time thing. All those players are two to four years away from making the major leagues, even the early uh, and, and the, uh, it's, it's all a different thing. Yeah, and the same set is is basically a bunch of card tables with like two representatives from each team sitting at the table. It's none of the glitz and glamour that, they, that the NFL draft is, even when they send the NFL draft from people's homes. That's got to be such a... Uh, a more difficult evaluation process. You're trying to evaluate somebody who's not going to play for three or four years. Yes. We're talking about guys who can do something this season, you know, assuming we have a season, which I think we will. Uh, but you're talking about this year. That's got to be really difficult uh, in baseball. Yeah, way, would, way more failures in baseball. Yeah, and, and a much bigger pool of total talent you're drawing from because it's international and, and you end up with uh, – yeah, you, you end up with guys you, you don't know. And your years of team control are much longer and in the future. Mm. So it might be two years before they get to the majors and you have them for six. So it's not like, you know, it's what they do in the next four years. Something we don't talk about too often, but I really look at the, the, the cap value you spend on somebody as being a return you have to get on that 
in those first four years, five at the first round, I'll go along with that. But it's really in the first four years where you're getting an advantage relative to the salary cap. Yeah, that that seems to align. It, it, it's different, I know, and I'm, I'm probably getting out over my skis here, but that seems to really align with the whole surplus value, Cade Massey and the loser's curse paper that he did a couple of years ago. Um, that That's definitely a way I think you have to look at it, and it's something I need to get better at. I'm looking at, well, what will their role be on the field in year one, two, three, but I don't often think about the, the cap implications. All right. I see Goodell is doing some sort of a COVID thing right now. And uh, uh, we want to make sure people know that we're thankful for uh, what's going on. Thankful for our own families for taking care of us during this time and for and for putting up with us during this time in, in more cramped quarters. And Michael, I know that's a bigger deal for you because you have kids. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've got got two kids, 13 and eight. Uh, I also my mother-in-law lives with us. So there's five of us here. Uh, but but you said it. Uh, very thankful that everybody's been healthy, uh, that we've had an opportunity to to spend more time together. And uh, people probably see me tweet about the kids and trying to help them with schoolwork. Uh, it, it's all been fun, though. It's all been a great experience. And uh, I, I'm trying to keep that perspective. Right? don't look at this as what this is what's happening to me. This is what's happening for me. Right. So this, this is this is a good thing. Well, you I'm sure we're all going to have our stories of getting through this in terms of how life was different. And we're going to remember them. We're going to remember that we worked on a big puzzle together or we, or we played some game. We had the Jenga championship you were telling me about at your house. You know, we got go, lost, by the way. <laughs> Four consecutive losses. Okay. Well, I, <laughs> um, but anyway, the, the, those experiences will stay with us, I'm sure. And, uh, and it is what it is. So hopefully I, I, I hear Goodell introducing this. I think we're going to, he's going to be, walk into the podium any moment with his first pick, which we assume will be Joe Burrow going to the Bengals. Yeah. If you, if you, you know, believe all the reports and even the stuff like just in the last 10 or 15 minutes, they're not going to trade the pick. They're going to make the pick. Of course, they didn't say who the pick would be, but uh, that's what everybody's assuming. And as Ravens fans, uh, you know, if he's what he's projected to be, I'm not crazy about him coming into the division. <laughs> No, neither am I. It's something that that uh, certainly is a concern. And, you know, if it doesn't work out, you hope it doesn't work out quickly. Baker Mayfield looked awfully good his rookie year and was a number one overall pick. In his second year, he took a step backwards. That's very fortunate for the Ravens. And honestly, we're a Ravens-centric live stream for this. So if it's good for the Ravens, it's good for us. And we'll be talking about it in those terms in the draft and not not pretending like we want to have a lot of Bengals and Steelers and Browns fans here who uh, who, who take an opposite viewpoint on this or, or think we're rooting against a player. We are. <laughs> it's simple. Yeah, I have nothing against these guys from an individual standpoint. I mean, obviously, they're they're living out their dreams, and you know they have an opportunity to go on and, and play in the NFL, and that's all great. I support all of that. But like you said, as a Ravens fan, uh, I don't want to see them have success <laughs> from from a competitive standpoint. That's fair enough, and and it's it's going to be difficult for a player like Joe Burrow to not have success because he is so good. But, uh, uh, you know, the, the, hopefully he'll be challenged in a new way by playing with that line. I did want to address something today because I heard that Miami was attempting to acquire a pick so that they could trade up to number one. And it sounded very convoluted, like they, they were trying to acquire the 13th pick without trading away number five, because if they traded five and 13, they could trade up and get number one and, and go after Burrow. It really goes a long way towards saying the Miami Dolphins really blew their chance to tank fully 
this last season because they could have had Joe Burrow. It certainly looked like they were the, the, the team who looked like the worst team in the NFL for about those first eight weeks. And then the, uh, the Bengals even matching them loss for loss didn't seem like they could possibly be as bad, but they, in fact, they were worse. No. And, and, and to your point about this being Raven centric, when you think back to that week one game against Miami 59 to 10, I'm thinking, well, this is easy. Mm. This team isn't going to win a game. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're they well on their way to a complete tank job to get that first overall pick. But then they started to piece together a few wins. Hey, credit, credit to, uh, to their coach. Uh, yeah. From, yeah. Yeah. Credit, credit to him, man, for getting those guys, uh, you know, playing at a level where they were competitive and able to win some games. I mean, that's what it's all about from their perspective. Uh, so credit to them for, for being able to do that. Yeah, it was it was really surprising they were able to put, pull that together because the very next week they traded Minka Fitzpatrick. Now, they couldn't trade him after the Ravens games because he literally had one of the worst games by a cornerback in NFL history with three touchdowns allowed and penalties on two of the other touchdowns. And so it's a, it was a remarkably bad day for Minka. But after after a big bounce back week in week two, they traded him to the Steelers for the number one pick. The Steelers tonight will be without a number one pick for the first time since 1967. That's well, do you think they going into it? They don't have one. What do you think about any you know possibility of them trying to move into the first round? Do they even have the ammunition to do that? Or because of, you know, the depth that we've heard about this draft, are they content to, you know, wait until the second round and later rounds to go ahead and make their selection? Without trading a pick from 2021, they don't have even enough capital to get to the bottom of round one, really. If you add Mm -hmm. up all of their total uh, JJ points, uh, 50, 98, 190, they have about 600. And that's the value of the 31st pick. So if they traded every single pick, they could get to number 31 in theory. And that JJ chart doesn't have that drop off you would expect for the 50 year option between 32 and 33. So it's a, uh, I don't think it's an accurate reflection of what people think uh, the value would be today. So another positive there from the Ravens perspective, obviously, you know, you're going to have a chance at adding a better player in the first round. So the fact that they don't have a first round pick is something that, that I feel good about. All right, uh, guys, uh, Chris Thompson is checking in on Facebook from Australia. So want to say hi to him. It's cool to get uh, other countries checking in. And then Dylan Stetzler wants to know what the cons would be of trading up for Kenneth Murray. Okay, so, I mean, aside from the cons that I'm not real crazy about him, and I'll let Michael speak to the, to the value of the player otherwise, I mean, it's very expensive to move up in the first round. So if the Ravens want to move from, let's say, 28 to 21, whereas Philadelphia is a place I've been heard Murray going to, they probably have to end up trading, and let me just do this really quickly, um, they probably end up having to trade a pick around number 90. They happen to have number 92. So it might be that 28 and 92 will move them up to 21. I don't know that I'd want to give away the first pick they have in the third round to move up a few slots like that and not just kind of pick from the available uh, players. If they were going to, if the, if another team says, well, we'll do it for less, maybe, maybe, maybe 106 and 28 moving up is worth it. I'm not sure, but I wouldn't do, I wouldn't do 28 and 92 to move up to 21. And that's regardless if I, if I want, Javon Kinlaw or somebody else. Yeah, no, Murray, just in terms of the player, his game, it's all about 
athleticism, speed, explosiveness, physicality. Um, just here, here are a couple things that I read from the coaches, his coaches at Oklahoma, right? A couple quotes. Uh, he's a menacing competitor with a touch of insanity. <laughs> when he's not in the film room, he's in the weight room. <laughs> so everything that you hear about this guy from a makeup standpoint, uh, obviously people might know the story about his two siblings or special needs uh, who he, he's, he's cared for, uh, saved a woman's life apparently on, 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 in an accident situation where he helped, you know, sort of do some, some uh, medical assistance until, you know, professionals were able to get there. By all accounts, this guy, from, from that standpoint, everything says right, right about his character, his work ethic, that kind of thing. Um, but from the value standpoint that you just laid out, yeah, even, even I, I, I don't know, and I like him, you know that, I, I don't know that I'd be comfortable uh, with, with that kind of move. Hey, it, that goes a little bit in terms of trading up for players like uh, Lamb or uh, Ruggs or Judy. I mean, the Ravens would have to, you know, give away a large portion of their draft capital to move up into the teens to get a player like that. Uh, you know, you'd be talking about trading 28 and 55 to get into the teens or maybe 28 and 60 to get into the teens. And that seems like an awful lot to give up uh, to, to move up. Now, is it potentially worth it? Maybe. Uh, but, uh, you know, the Ravens have a lot of good players to choose from, I think, between uh, 40 and the end of the second round. It'd be a shame if they didn't get to make some of those selections. And wasn't it the year they drafted? Was it the year they drafted Lamar where they didn't have a second round pick? Yeah, they didn't have a second round pick that year because they traded the first. And they didn't have a second round pick the next year because they traded their next second also. Yeah, so I, I, I've heard DeCosta talk about that a little bit, and he's not crazy about not having second-round picks. So <laughs> I think he wants to try to hold on to what he's got and probably accumulate some more if he can. Yeah. That'd be interesting because I, I, I'd love it if they had three second-round picks. There's no real way, and people have talked about this, that they could make two trades and get four second-round picks. At least I don't see a way. Uh, one, of the, one of the trades that's been mentioned as a possibility is moving down from 28 to get the 44th and 75th picks um, from Indianapolis. And that would be a possibility, and it would be just about a fair trade there. The Ravens actually pick up about 15 JJ points, and Indianapolis would pick up that fifth-year option. And the commissioner's on screen again. We're hoping we're getting close to a selection here. But uh, but anyway, the Colts, you know, if if they wanted to make that kind of a move, I think the Ravens would be receptive to that sort of a trade. Yeah, and, and particularly if there's a quarterback there, because obviously there's there's been those reports they have Philip Rivers, but how much longer you know is Philip Rivers going to play? Uh, so if there's a quarterback there, that that might be enticing for the Colts. All right, working our way up to the number one pick here. Any more questions for us here? Um. Yeah, I was getting ready to set up. Hopefully, the Bengals make the pick everyone's predicting because that's what I'm all set and ready to get to put oh, on. Okay. So, uh, here we go. I think the commissioner is about to to make the pick. Uh, they're still talking about the. They're still doing a lot of talk about the new experience, and uh, because just like we're worried about things going wrong, they could have the same issues as well. Sure. Mm-hmm. Well, they're getting a late start here. We if we knew this. We would we could have started a little later, but. Yeah. Cincinnati on the clock right now, officially. Uh, I don't see the count. There it is, 9.43 to go. So they've got a while. They could still trade the trick. Miami, in theory, has the draft capital to pick it up if they if they want to go nuts. So uh, still perhaps a slight possibility. 
yeah, and to Josh's point, maybe there is something happening, you know, from a technical standpoint behind the scenes that we're we're not aware of. I mean, you, you had to you you almost have to think that there are going to be those kinds of issues at some point in the draft. And if and if not a technical issue, there's going to be some type of issue of someone not prepared or or not realizing the cameras pointing at them at the moment or something. There's way too many cameras involved. Um, I was just I was just looking that they've got a camera at each. Uh, players home so they'll have the cameras on there ready to go they've got cameras at each coach and gm and then more um and then player personnel camera on them also because they want to get the phone call on each side so yeah it's 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 definitely tough for them to do not to mention all the filler content during these 10 minutes yeah they showed a picture of Burrow there uh, on the couch with, with, I guess, his mom and dad. Uh, he was tweeting earlier for people not to make fun of him because none of the barbershops are open. He didn't look too bad there. You know, <laughs> anything, didn't look like anything out of the, out of the, out of the ordinary for somebody who hadn't had a care, uh, haircut probably in a couple of months. I, th- I don't think anybody's in a position to judge him. Certainly not me. It's, it's, a, it's a pretty easy process for me because I just have my head shaved bald when I go to the barber, but it's, you know, it's been a while now. I'm a home head shaver, so I, I, mine is even easier. Um, my son, it's been it's been a different a different process for him. He attempted to cut his own and uh, didn't go well. Didn't go well. Okay. All right. Are you are you someone who'd help him with that, or you don't really want the mess in the house, or do you care? No, I offered to help. He turned me down. He did for the longest time. He's like, look, I only want a professional to do it. And then at some point, he decided to try it and say, you know, teenagers are. So well, I'll just go in here and try this myself. And he comes out and you look at him like, what did you do? What, what, <laughs> what happened here? Because he got mauled by a bear or something in the back of the day. <laughs> can, you, can you read anything into the fact that after all the talk of the Bengals already telling Burroughs they're going to draft him and stuff, that it's not an immediate thing on this first draft pick to go to him? Is it a technical thing? Is it a... Uh, let the broadcast do their thing, so build up hype, so they play the nice highlight reels and everything, so they just sit around and wait? Or, I, I, You know what I think? I think it's possible. They're just waiting five to six minutes to see if any knock-their-socks-off trade offer comes up that they just can't refuse. Remember when uh, Eli Manning got traded in particular, he, they, the, the Chargers got Rivers and a whole bunch of first-round picks out of the deal. Or maybe you know a Herschel Walker-type trade comes along. Uh, where they just can't say no to it. But uh, anyway, it'll be interesting to see. I, I I don't think it'll be anybody but Burrow, and I think we're 97% sure of the team he's going to right now. Right. All right, uh, Daniel on YouTube is wondering if there's uh, any immediate thoughts on the report from Michael Silver tonight that the Ravens were in on DeAndre Hopkins and made a run. Does this imply that they might make a push at wide receiver tonight? You go ahead, Mike. Oh, well um... – I think they were probably going to draft a wide receiver regardless of whether that report <laughs> came out or not. Um, but, you know, for me, the first thing when I heard that obviously was disappointment uh, because uh, DeAndre Hopkins is a great player. So uh, I was kind of disappointed that it didn't work out. But uh, in terms of its impact on whether they draft a wide receiver or where they draft a wide receiver, I don't, I don't know um, that I can, I can see any additional impact there. I think, uh, they went into this draft. I would I would imagine looking to improve that position because you look at the guys that they have currently on the roster. Um, not uh, that they're bad players, but just from a standpoint of 
we need more players in the wide receiver group. We just, we, just, we don't have enough guys in that group, uh, you know, as we'd like to have. So uh, I, don't, I don't know if I see an impact. Yeah, so it's a smaller group. And, and so certainly they need to add bodies. They also need to add bodies of a specific type. So I'm, I'm not in, uh, I'm not one of these guys who's really open to a smaller guy. I'll tell you something interesting from a game theory perspective, maybe is whether or not the Ravens will wait after round one to draft a wide receiver. You obviously have a tiered group all the way through for many rounds, I think, in terms of wide receivers you can get that would be of a certain quality all the way through the draft. So does that mean that they preserve multiple additional uh, groups of need by not drafting a wide receiver in round one and, say, taking an edge rusher where they might need another one anyway of those two? It's a nice setup. Tobin's got there in his house, man. <laughs> right. Any chance that Cincinnati just lets the clock run out as they're known to No. <laughs> no, absolutely zero chance of not making a trade. They were talking about yeah. the 2003 Vikings then, if they if they let the number seven pick drain. No, they're, they're, they're decision makers that they show there. The, the GM and their head coach all look pretty calm. Uh, so uh, I, I got to wonder if, the, if maybe, uh, you know, if it's, pretty much already a, a done deal like you said from their perspective ken and they're just uh you know still leaving the door open for somebody to come in and offer them a king's ransom i i do like how they keep giving us shots inside these people's homes it's it's, it's very interesting and uh, for the players they need to be very smart about whatever's in the background whoever else is in the shot they need to be careful about all that but i like seeing they were just showing, uh, I think it was the GM for the Bengals, and like his kids were out on the porch watching the TV broadcast while he's sitting at the desk still trying to make the moves. Yeah, trying to, hey, look, I can relate, right? You're trying to find a quiet spot to do this thing in the house. Obviously, I'm not picking any pictures, but yeah. <laughs> I, can relate. I can relate to having kids and trying to find a quiet spot to meet with other people. It's happening during the day for work, too, so I, I get it. Well, I'm sure the busiest people at each uh, football team this week was the IT person driving from home to home, making sure there was going to be no hiccup, that no other that the Patriots wouldn't be hacking in. <laughs> yes, I mean, that's I always mean, a possibility. Pick right. us in, folks. And that doesn't mean anyone's rushing to the. I was going to say you got announce it, but the pick is in. All right. Sounds right. I've been waited seven minutes to put it in, but I don't think there's any doubt the Bengals made the pick according to this. So uh, I don't think there's any doubt about who it is. Sure, make us wait two, for that first pick. Yeah, N- number two is uh, is is going to be interesting in terms of who that might be. It's definitely an area of a lot of projected activity, Michael. You know, potentially. Yeah. No. No. No question. I mean, I think. You know, if you if you follow the whole mock draft scene, Chase Young had kind of been the guy projected number two to to Washington there for most of sort of the mock draft season. But um, I think in in the last you know week or two, you started to see and, and hear more reports about Washington maybe potentially moving back, uh, you know, to to acquire another pick or picks uh, and still feel like they can get a good player. Um, it won't be Chase Young, for, you know, conceivably, or maybe it would be. Maybe somebody wants to come up to number two and get a quarterback or an offensive tackle, and maybe they feel like they still could. I, I don't see that happening that way, but uh, there's been some, some you know, reports and conversation about it. 
Yeah, I, I don't. I, I, I think Tua goes number two if it's not Washington making the pick. Because I don't think anybody else is going to be able to match the offer to move up for number two that a team like Miami or the Chargers could make, say, uh, Carolina, maybe another team, uh, could, could make to move up to that point. So uh, uh, we'll, we'll see. But my guess is it's either Young or it's, or it's two are going to be at number two here. And here we go. I feel like there's going to be a lot of here we go tonight. Yeah. As we wait, thankfully, uh, if you're watching live, you understand why we are all waiting. Joe Burrow, the pick, number one, and it's official. Uh, he's gotten his phone call, I assume, from the Bengals. Seems really excited about playing for the Bengals, by the way, guys. Yeah, after, what, what was it? I mean, it, it's been months ago now, but those those initial reports said, you know, maybe he didn't want to play there or wouldn't be happy about playing there, and then obviously that all you know, went with the complete opposite way. So uh, there it is. Joe Burrow's a Bengal, and uh, he, he now will be in the AFC North. All right, obviously a uh, uh, a bummer to have another good quarterback. You, I think you'd probably be very close to making the point now the Steelers have the weakest quarterback in the division with a Ben Roethlisberger, 38 years old, coming back from injury, as opposed to Burrow, Mayfield, or Jackson, all young guns in this division. Yeah, think about what, how that division has changed at the quarterback position, right? Just over the last two two years, right? Really. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, you're right. You got all these young guys coming in. You got Burrow coming into uh, a Bengals office uh, offense. Zach Taylor, kind of that uh, Sean McVay, uh, off of that Sean McVay tree. Um, so you know you're going to see a lot of uh, in the run game, a lot of outside zone run concepts in the passing game, a lot of West Coast sort of Mike Shanahan discipleship kind of stuff. Uh, and you got a guy in Joe Burrow who processes things at a really high rate, uh, mm-hmm. identifies things really quickly, throws very accurately, and is is more athletic than maybe you know you would think just looking at him, right? If you hadn't actually seen him play, you're just yeah. sizing him up. He definitely is not afraid to run with the ball, kind of a little like Josh Allen in that regard, a guy with a with a, enough speed to get by, not afraid to leave the pocket with the ball, uh, but not really outstanding speed in Burrow's case. All right, Washington on the clock. We're all down to only six minutes left for the Redskins now at number two. And we can still call them the Redskins, right? Yeah, I don't know about that one. I guess you can until they take the name off. It's still their name. I think there's some uh, broadcast channels that do not, but I don't. it's their name. All right. Now, Joe uh, Burrow does not really seem to be that excited, but he's got an Ohio – 740 shirt on. He just put his Bengals hat on and yeah. he said, no, someone tell finally, his parents he's going to get killed. Yep. Someone finally reminded him there was a camera in his room <laughs> so he could look up a little bit. Um, does this, this changes, as you were saying, with now Ben Roethlisberger being the old guy in the division, it's also a lot of more mobile quarterbacks. Is this kind of going to be what the AFC North future is going to be known for? Yeah, I mean, I, for, for me, I, I feel like that's the future of the quarterback position across the league right now. Um, you know, you don't have everybody doesn't have to be Lamar Jackson. I mean, when you when you when you hear mobiles, it's kind of like the first thing that comes to people people's minds. That's not what that's not what I'm saying. But uh, you, you can't be statuesque back there anymore. Right. You got to have some mobility. 
you know, some, to, to get yourself out of harm's way, to be able to extend plays, get outside the pocket, give guys a chance to get open and, and do things down the field. I just think that's where the game is at right now. So uh, that, that seems to be the trend with quarterbacks. All right, so still no trade so far with the Redskins, and I'm expecting it to be either Chase Young or a quarterback here after a trade, uh, Tua. But uh, we are where we are still with the Redskins holding the pick as of now, and the pick has just gone in, and we're assuming it will be Chase Young. What probability do you give it being not Chase Young, given the Redskins have made it? Any possibility for Okuda here? Or Isaiah? Uh I, it's hard for me to put a number. I'm going to say low, though. <laughs> say low probability. Uh, that's all right. Give give a number that's more accurate than you have any right to give, and then people won't argue with it. That kind of precision usually warns people off. You say 14%. Okay. Yeah, I was going to go lower than that. I was going to say, you know, 7%. Very good. That's exactly <laughs> the kind of number. There you go. You're getting some shots of Jared Goff kind of running that similar system. So see where that mobility – and that, there's a prime example. Nobody's going to confuse Jared Goff for Lamar Jackson, but he's mobile enough, right, to be able to run those bootlegs and those stretch concepts. That's what I'm talking about. Nobody – you don't have to come out here and, and run all around the field and be crazy. But Right. Uh, I mean, you're, 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 Lamar Jackson and, and not any other quarterbacks ever in the history of the game can run the read option, even Michael Vick and drive the rest of the offense to such heights. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's, it's unrealistic for anybody to think there's another Lamar Jackson coming who's going to play that position the same way and as well. Yeah, can you be, can you be mobile enough is how, is how I look at it. Mobile enough to get yourself out of trouble to you know, buy some time uh, to try to make a play. You know, can, can you be mobile enough is, is my gauge. All right. I mean, I imagine other people already know what this pick is from someplace else, but uh, we'll see it coming up here any moment now for the for the Redskins. Of course, you know, in terms of the Ravens, and we promised Ravens centric uh, draft coverage here. I think we've delivered on that so far. But uh, runs on quarterback are good. Anything that involves more quarterbacks being drafted in this round than you'd otherwise expect is certainly a good thing for the Ravens. I think it's a good thing to have a run on offensive tackle. I think it's a good – if there's any running backs taken in round one, which I don't honestly think is going to happen, that would be another place where it would be good. And uh, corners, certainly a fair number of very talented corners in the first round, more the better. Yeah, certainly. You you, you hit all of those positions where the Ravens have established starters uh, and, and, and even some depth uh, in some of those positions in terms of corners. So, yeah, the more of those guys that can come off the board and push – players at those other positions that you didn't name down the board to, to where the Ravens are the better. There you are, which uh, looks like Chase Young has gotten the call here for the Redskins. They haven't announced it yet, but him being on the phone uh, looks like he's probably talking to the coach, but we don't know for sure if he's talking to his agent, that could be a bad thing saying, Oh, why are you not drafting this point? But more than likely he's, he's gotten the call right now and is about to go crazy with everybody in his family there. Yeah, it's a very, very patient look uh, <laughs> that he has there on the phone. Not uh, Well, not again, it's with... also an awkward event where they're also trying to balance the celebration with the somber mode and attitude sure. of the country at the time. 
Right. And that's what I got a picture of somebody up front there, Josh, who I'm guessing might be a COVID victim. Right. Um, Maybe they were very, Roger Goodell was very much trying to set the tone of, we know football isn't the most important thing in the world, but it's part of our business and something that can bring people together. Uh, even when casual guys on their couch doing the draft here. Yeah, I don't know. Look, at, but judging by the reaction there, I'm not sure what to make of that. Right. Yes. <laughs> Normally, you'd see more excitement, right? It, if you've it, just been selected. It looks like confusion to me. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. Chase Young, it is Ohio State. Okay. Okay. All right. Okay, now number three is a place where it starts to get interesting. There's been rumors the Lions might trade this pick, uh, certainly to, to move down to allow a quarterback to be drafted in that number three spot. They're on the clock. I don't have a remaining time left, but they're well under 10 minutes, 4.45 to go. So we're gonna mm. we're getting close to another, another pick. Only in the first round where they have these 10-minute intervals do they really avoid stacking up picks for the most part, but we might have some of that tonight given how – slow the process is from moving site to site to get people on stage and whatnot. Yeah. So to your point, you could maybe see Miami interested in a possible move up here. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe the Chargers, Chargers in the possible move up here. Yeah, definitely possibilities. I'm sure, I'm sure Detroit will, will be uh, entertaining all offers. Cause I got to feel like, there, there's a group of players. I'm not saying they're not, you know, sold on Okuda. I know that's who's been projected to them in a lot of places, but I, I got to feel like there's a group of players that they'd probably be happy with, right? If they if they move back just a couple of picks, uh, who they feel like they could still get one of the players in that group. I have to think about who they have a tackle right now. In terms of does, does it would it make sense for them to go after a tackle? Because there's several of those. Thought to be higher end guys. Could Derek Brown make sense for them if they move him? Could Isaiah Simmons make sense to the Lions? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're going to have your your choice of the the offensive tackles. Uh, Derek Brown is there. Ken Law is there. Um, you know, you you you've got your choice of a lot of good players. Um, I think the Akuda pick people. It's and it's just a logic a, a logical conclusion, right? They lose Darius Slay. He goes to the Eagles. Uh, you've got an immediate vacancy there at cornerback. You've got Akuda, who, you know, by a lot of accounts is, is projected to be the top corner in the draft. So it's kind of a logical line that people are drawing there. But, you know, when when you have an opportunity to, to maybe slide back and acquire some more picks, you just never know. Right. You're, you're, are, you have Derek Brown ahead of Kinlaw in terms of your top defensive lineman? <sighs> it's a tough one. Uh, <laughs> I, I think yes. Let me just answer it. I think yes. I think Derek Brown has – more of that sort of polished refinement ready to hit the field and produce at a high level right now today. I'm not saying Ken Law can't do that. I think he can, but I think there's probably a little bit more of a, of a curve in terms of refining other parts of his game. But just in terms of upside, I think Ken Law's got the higher upside in terms of what he could ultimately become, right? But I think Derek Brown, like right now, today, this year, you get him on the field and you're, you're going you're gonna to get some high-level production out of him. Kinlaw, a very unpolished player, and and his length, he should be able to use even better than he does. He's heavy-handed, but he could be heavy-handed. He could dictate first contact better. He could cross the face better. He probably can get a a quicker get-off. You know, there's a lot of things about him that, uh, you know, playing with a player like Campbell or even a player like Wolf, but two long guys 
who really know how to use length well at the NFL level, uh, he could learn a lot in Baltimore. Now, probably, unfortunately, not going to happen, but uh, this would be a great landing spot for him. Birdland Sports. For fans, by fans. Find more great shows like this at birdlandsports.com. At Lowe's, we're your go-to for great gardening values every day. That's why we've lowered our price on select bagged mulch, now starting at just $2.88 a bag. Mulch helps prevent weeds and retains moisture, and when you put it down around trees, shrubs, and flower beds, you'll see how beautiful it makes your outdoor space, just in time to welcome back family and friends. Shop online and pick up in-store. Lowe's, home to the best part of summer. Selection and product availability vary by location. While supplies last, U.S. only. Excludes Alaska and Hawaii. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.